This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. Glad to be here, Rhett. Excited to talk a a little bit more about our rankings this time. A little bit different. We're going to do some arguing. It's going to be a really fun episode. I'm really looking forward to it. And the arguing we're going to be doing is with none other than Matt Lawson. You may know him from the Fantasy Basketball International community on Twitter at NBA Dynasty ADP. And we're excited to talk about the differences in between some of our rankings. But first off, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, guys. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. I'm excited to uh, scream <laughs> at each other a little bit about these Dynasty rankings. Yeah, awesome. Uh, like we talked about last time, we are doing a 12-team mock draft for Dynasty with you guys. We want to have as many listeners in there as possible. So if you're interested in doing that, find us on Twitter and we'll be sure to add you to the group. And we'd love to be involved with that and write about your picks, whether they're good or bad. We also have a new pun intended Twitter account at punt intended pod on Twitter. So if you would give that a follow, we'd really appreciate it. And then of course, give us ratings and reviews wherever you get your podcasts. First things first, we had a couple breaking news pieces here in the last couple of days. Aaron Gordon got a massive extension, four years, $92 million and Denver's been talking about they'll pay the tax if they're going to be a championship contender and they're paying the tax because that's a big bill. What does this do in terms of dynasty for the Nuggets, for Aaron Gordon, just for that entire team, everybody that's around that extension? Travis, what do you think? I mean, I don't really think it does a whole lot for his value whatsoever. It's, I mean, it's nice that he has security in that spot. He's always been a player that's a really good real life player but his game just doesn't translate to fantasy. He doesn't really get stocks, doesn't score that well. He's never really developed a shot. His shot has gotten better throughout, and he's still only 25, I believe, or is he 26 now? He just turned Uh, 26. Okay, so he's 26. His shot has gotten better throughout his career, but he's still not there where he's a very useful fantasy player. Uh, And I think at this point, we're kind of figuring out who he is, and the, the upside is starting to slowly dwindle that, that he used to have when he was in his early twenties. Yeah. The whole reason Aaron Gordon had value 
in Orlando was because he had high usage and he could get you some assists and get you some scoring with bad percentages and hardly any stocks. And so there was already reasons to not have him and putting him on a team with a bunch of high usage players like Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray kind of like what you said, Travis is makes him way more of a real life player than a fantasy player. Matt, do you have anything to add to that? I think this just locks in Aaron Gordon as a player that we don't care a whole lot about in fantasy. Uh, his no. role with the with his role with the Nuggets going forward is what we saw at the end of last year and in the playoffs. And even without Jamal Murray, it's not a high usage role. The only good years that we got out of Aaron Gordon in fantasy were in Orlando when he was a high usage player, an inefficient high usage player, and that's just not happening. So if you were hoping for the return of the Aaron Gordon that we saw earlier in his career in Orlando, it's not coming back. This extension confirms that. And in fantasy, you can try to sell as best you can, but it's time to move on. Yeah, it's been time to move on since uh, the Magic were clearly tanking last year because you knew that they were going to trade Aaron Gordon somewhere with all the wings that they brought in. A couple other pieces of news, Frank Nielakina to Dallas and Dante Exum to Houston. Neither of those are worth much in any sort of dynasty capacity, fantasy capacity, but I can see some potential if you squint really hard for Nielakina in Dallas in like a 30-team league. That's really deep just because... He's a three and D player that could play Exum. I doubt because they have a lot of players in the backcourt so much so that they just sat John wall. So I'm not really interested in either of those two, unless you're just an extremely rebuilding team in a 30 team league and want to take a flyer on somebody like Neil Aquina. I mean, you have to squint really, really hard to, to squeeze. Any <laughs> We're on video. On so they saw me squint, but you guys <laughs> did not. It happened. But you never know. Injuries can happen, and they do happen. And if you need steals, uh, Frank can get them for you. But I, I think there's obviously better plays elsewhere, even in a 30-team league. But, you know, 30-team, everybody's own. So if you need steals, he's not a bad guy to pick up and take a chance on. Without a doubt. So we're going to get into our rankings now. Our top 20 or so is about the same. So there's nothing crazy there. I think Matt had Cade a little bit higher than Travis and I did. But... The top 20 is the top 20 where it got a little bit interesting to me was at number 22 and 23, because Matt had Kyrie Irving 22 and Kevin Durant 23, which if you have looked at our rankings, you'll know we have Kyrie at 30 and KD at 37. There's no denying the per game output that both of these players can provide. And Kyrie's not even 30 KD's obviously older and coming off an Achilles. So we factored that in a little bit more than you did, Matt. Is this just based on the value that they provide, even at that position for a team that once you draft them there, you know you're going to be trying to win now? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret 
and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah, so in my most recent update, what I tried to do is to maintain a logical consistency across players, young and old. And that consistency was based on how is this player going to perform for win now teams, uh, teams who are trying to be able to win this year, win next year. Uh, And how old is that player? What does their outlook look like going over the next three years or so? And I think what we've been seeing in ADP and also in dynasty rankings is that teams value that immediate win now production from players like Damian Lillard and Steph Curry very highly. They tend to go uh, either at the back end of the first round in a 12-team dynasty startup or pretty close at the beginning of the second round. But when you get players with similar per-game production like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, uh, there's a pretty big drop-off. In ADP, you're talking about in this last month's iteration, Kyrie around number 27 in ADP, Kevin Durant around number 25. So there's a pretty significant discount being applied to those two players. And I'm a big uh, proponent of not putting injury labels on players who aren't actually hurt. And I think that we can often make the mistake of assuming that because a player did have an injury that they're going to have them going forward. And we need to all remember just a few weeks back that Kevin Durant went from playing nearly every minute against the Milwaukee Bucks and being a toenail away from pushing them onto the NBA finals to then carrying this entire nation on his back uh, in the Olympics to be able to bring us to a gold medal. That man is not injured. Uh, He looks fantastic. He is playing the best basketball of his life. And while I think that there is some trepidation about how often the Nets are going to be playing in this upcoming year, those guys call the shots. Steve Nash is not telling those players how often they're going to play. I think James Harden is going to play a lot of games. I think Kevin Durant is going to play in the high 60s this year, barring an injury. And I think Kyrie is going to give you something close to that, too. And I think that when we start building in these discounts too heavily, assuming things about injuries, that's where we lose out on value. And these guys are around top five per game players like Damian Lillard, like Steph Curry. And I think that we need to have them if we're going to be logically consistent close to Steph and Dane uh, when we're talking about that level of superstar fantasy production. Yeah, that's a lot of great points in there. I think one of the things that really stood out was the lens at which you look at our rankings with, because if you're in a 30 team league, I'm probably not taking Kevin Durant as my best player. I just don't, I don't know if I would be comfortable with that, but if you're in a 12 team league and you've got KD at 24 and you want to take him at 24, 25, then that's a great pairing with your first overall pick. So that 
logic there matters a lot. And I understand it seems like you're a bit more optimistic about the games played for Kevin Durant than I am because I built that into why I had him 37th because I feel like with the way the Nets have constructed their team with how great they are with their three players that they can play two of them on any given night and still probably have two of the better players on the court, no matter who they play. So that part of it matters. But again, I, I can't fault you for having them that high when what you said about their per game production, even at their age is consistent with some of the guys that we have higher than our dynasty rankings. Yeah. And that's exactly right. I think Rhett, me and you both, both did that with these sort of veterans that, often are rested throughout, you know, Paul George is another one that is in for a big season this upcoming year, but you just never know when they're going to get rested. Um, especially towards the end of the year when playoffs tend to be uh, relevant for us dynasty, uh, fantasy players. And, and if the per game, obviously we know what they are per game, but I try to look at it throughout the entirety of a season and more totals based than per game, uh, especially with these guys that, that tend to get rested often. I, I agree with Matt in terms of um, labeling players that aren't injured. And that is very easy to do uh, for certain players who we see um, get injured, maybe back-to-back years. And now we just assume for the rest of the career, that's how they're going to be. That's not always the case. Uh, but I, that's the main reason why we rank these guys a little bit lower is just the ability for them to rest is there and they have, that team is, like you mentioned, right, good enough to where they don't have to go out there and play 82 games. They can be okay to play 65, 70 games. They're going to make the playoffs, and they're going to be healthy for what ultimately matters for that team. If I could guarantee high 60s to 70 games of Kevin Durant, then I would gladly take him at 23 in a 30-team league because he's just that good. But I don't know if we can necessarily guarantee that. And that's the thing, too. It, like we, we have Kevin Durant at 37. If you were to take Kevin Durant at 20, I, I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that's crazy whatsoever because we know he's, he's going to be better than top 20 uh, for probably the next three years minimum. Uh, so, I mean, I wouldn't blink at that whatsoever. It's just it's, it's kind of what we talk about. It's, it's all a lot of subjective here in these rankings, and it's tough to, to, to make these up. Exactly. Especially when you consider if, like I said about the lens, if you're approaching this from a win now, then you better have KD up in that top 20. But if you're trying to rebuild, then you don't really care about Kevin Durant that much. So moving on to our next player, OG Ananobi. Matt, you had him 33 and we had him 47. Are you expecting him to have a bigger role handling the ball on the Raptors this year? Or are you just thinking he's just that elite as he is? So I, I think that with OG Ananobi, we've already seen a top 40 level player. It came after the All-Star break last year, and it was in a role that I think is going to mirror what we're going to see from him this year. He was playing on ball, he was creating offense, and he was doing it well. And you were getting all the things that you love about OG Ananobi on top of that. Great percentages. He was giving you steals, blocks. And that game combined with increased scoring and doing it efficiently, that's a fantasy monster. So Post-All-Star break, he's the number 38 player in 8-cat, and that's in only 33 minutes a night. And we're talking about 18.3 points per game, 2.8 threes, 5.3 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 
2.2 combined stocks and all of it on strong percentages. I think that's a lot of what you're going to be seeing this year. And I think because he's had such an old man game and been around for a while that we forget that OG just turned 24 years old. So we have not even seen this man's prime yet. So for Dynasty, if I'm already seeing top 40 talent and top 40 production from a player, and he's also pre-prime, then I need to be able to have him not only inside of the top 40, but well inside of it to be able to account for the growth and the amount of time that I have with him in my dynasty league playing at that level. So for me, OG Ananobi is being slept down a little bit. His ADP right now has finally crept inside of the top 40. So I think the market is coming to understand the level of player that he is and the opportunity that he has in Toronto this year. Uh, But this is a good moment to be able to check in your leagues because there's still a perception of him um, as a player who isn't that dynamic in fantasy. And I think that's about to get the doors blown off this season. Yeah. On the year, he was 37th. So, I mean, it does seem a little bit disingenuous of us to have him lower in a dynasty ranking than what he did in a per game ranking for last year, especially on a team like Toronto that will give him opportunities. We saw it. So he did that 37th overall with only 16 points a game in 33 minutes with free throw percentage that can improve. So I think I may have to bump him up our rankings a little bit. But Trav, what do you think? So I love OG. I love his game. And as you mentioned, he still is only 24. He's a player that's improved every year and probably somebody who will both move up our rankings if he can repeat the flashes that he showed last year. Uh, like Matt mentioned, that, that post-All-Star break where he showed some pretty big flashes and was able to handle the ball a little more. The only concern that I see with him is, is he ever going to be the guy on that team? And, and I don't know. If you look at the guys we have ranked ahead of him, um, you know, obviously some of the veterans, but then we have a player like Garland, John Morant, a few of those guys ahead of him who we know those guys can potentially lead their teams. I don't know if OG is ever going to be that guy that's going to lead his team. And that maybe hinders a little bit of his, of his scoring and his secondary stats that he's able to get. Uh, but we'll see where his usage goes. Yeah, it's interesting because he is the prototypical 3 and D wing, the player that every team looks for. And so you know he'll have a role, but he's also shown he can do more than that. So there's some kind of a, a disconnect between him being a low usage, just 3 and D and him potentially being more than that, especially this year. So I think the possibility for him to break out is is definitely there and we could be eating our words having him as late as 47. A guy that we had earlier than you did, they basically flip-flop spots actually, almost exactly. So you had Nikola Vucevic at 45, we had him 35. I know you and I have discussed him separately a little bit and now I'm going to give you the chance to slander Travis's bull. Uh, so so go ahead. You know, I want to thank Vooch for his service to many of my fantasy teams over the last few years. He's been phenomenal. Uh, But with that said, I think there needs to be a little bit of a reality check here with him before we get into this new season. Um, After being traded to the Bulls, Vooch goes from producing at a top 15 per game level in Orlando to more of a top 25 per game level. And many would say, oh, okay, well, that's not that bad. But the reality, if we look back, and I'm sure Travis remembers this, is that Zach Levine misses about 14 games down the stretch after Vooch is traded over to the Bulls because of COVID protocols and just sitting some games. So when you look at the games where Vooch plays next to Levine, you're dipping even a little bit lower than that top 25 production. You see his efficiency drop kind of mysteriously last year, which might just be small sample size, but we're talking around a 25 game period here. 
Now you're adding in DeMar DeRozan, you're adding in Lonzo Ball, and we know for a fact that it's not really worth disputing that Vooch is going to see a drop in usage. He's going to see a drop in scoring. He's going to see a drop of getting getting the line. That's going to happen. Um, and if we see that, then we're looking at a player who's going from giving you top 15 production down to maybe more like top 30-ish production. And if the efficiency comes back, top 25. And I think that's a realistic expectation for this season. He's still going to be very good. My real concern with Vucevic comes down to the fact that he's going to be turning about 31 years old when this season starts. And there is a long history of these big bodied centers, the accumulation of all the pounding that they take playing night in, night out in the paint in the NBA, adding up and catching up to them. And then you start to see some of these declines. And it's happened with a lot of centers once they get into their early 30s. I want to be on the front end of that. And if I'm buying him in Dynasty, I want to be doing it at a discount. If I think I'm getting a top 25 to top 30-ish per game performer, then I need to be able to get that discount if I think he's in his late prime, which I think inarguably when a player is 31 years old, especially a big body player like Vooch, once you get to that point, you are in your late prime years. And I need that discount if I'm in Dynasty. Yeah, I can't really disagree with any of that. So I know that you were a big fan of my Vooch for Fred Van Vliet and then Fred Van Vliet for Jalen Brown trade, which uh, Travis and I are both happy with at this point. Yeah, can't complain. <laughs> can't complain. All. The, the one thing I will say about Vooch is him being the position that he plays at center and what he can bring to the table. Uh, it, it should help his game age a little bit better than most of those big bodied centers. But yeah, I, I can't argue with with definitely wanting value with him and Honestly, throughout his whole career, where you've been able to get him in Dynasty or Redraft has always been uh, a pretty good value, I see, it seems to be, with him. So, yeah, if you can definitely hold and get him more in the 40s, it's, a, it's always a, a solid pick for those competing teams. Moving on to a couple other bigs. Clint Capella. You had Clint Capella 51, and we had him 38. And it's not so much the number that I wanted to talk about, but more the guys that you had him behind, which includes Rashawn Holmes, aforementioned Vooch, Gobert, and Randall. And I was just curious why you were so much lower on Capella than you were on some of those other players. First, before getting into Capella specifically, uh, I'll say that this is a little bit of a philosophical point when it comes to Dynasty Leagues. Uh, Clint Capella gives you dominant, dominant performance in three categories. Uh, he is going to be an excellent field goal percentage player, excellent in rebounds, and he's going to give you st very strong blocks as well. And those are the traditional big man categories. And in the tradition of fantasy big men, he also is a big detractor in other categories. He's not going to give you any three-pointers. His points aren't going to be that high. Uh, and his free throw percentage is going to be a detriment to you that you're going to have to account for on your team unless you're punting free throw percentage. So this is a classic fantasy big man, and he's very good at what he does. We're talking about number 44 per game in eight cat last year. But when I'm looking at those traditional big man stats, they're not that hard to find uh, in most leagues. I can get a lot of players. Uh, most centers are going to give me something like it. It's not going to be as elite as Capella, but I'm going to be able to get those kinds of stats from other big men versus the big men that you see at the top of the dynasty rankings, the unicorn big men who give you multi-category production, who give you things that you can't get from the traditional big man. Now with Capella versus some of those other players, uh, I, I think that this is just the reality of what I see as his ceiling. What you saw last year, I think is what you're going to get going forward from him. I don't see a lot of upside beyond that. And that's fine. I think he should be taken around that top 50. 
And that's a player that you're going to be able to bank on over the next few years to give you something similar to what he did before. Now, even with this extension in Atlanta this year, we're now looking at a player who does have a young understudy who is going to slowly eat into the center rotation. And Yeko Okangu is a great center prospect. He showed that last year. He is immediately going to change the Atlanta Hawks defense the way that Capella did last year. And they're going to be able to interchange those two once Okangu is healthy and get Okangu more in the mix going forward. I don't think it's going to dramatically eat into Capella's production, but it certainly puts a ceiling on it. And that's something that we need to remember going forward. He's going to be on the Hawks. Capella is going to be the primary big man there for a while. But I think that we need to see it as there's not a lot of upside beyond what we saw last year. And that's okay. It's still going to be a very good player for you going forward. And when I say that you had him behind all of those other bigs, like Rashawn Holmes, Rudy Gobert, Vooch, and and Randall, it's like five or six spots. So they're all clumped together. And for a lot of the same reasons, like you said, that you know what you're getting from them. You also know that you have to kind of build around them to a certain extent because you're only getting those three kind of four category contributions from them with points, especially when you consider eight cat rankings, which is a more, I understand that it's nine categories. So you have to factor that in, but when you're putting turnovers as the same as assists, it just drastically bumps those big men who don't handle the ball and don't turn the ball over up the board, which kind of gets a little bit, it's less of what their value actually is in terms of contributions to your winning team. Yeah, that all makes a lot of sense. With Capella, I, I just really like how he is elite. I mean, you're getting the best rebounder in the league. You're getting a guy that's going to anchor your field goal percentage um, as well as throw in a, a hefty amount of blocks as well. And and that's just, it's really hard to find th- that you can get all three of those in one player and be elite at all three, whereas a lot of other big men, um, you know, maybe you get the good field goal percentage and you get some blocks, but they don't rebound as well or and vice versa. Uh, and he's very build specific as well. And, and he's obviously going to shoot way up or way down your rankings, depending upon your, who your first couple picks are. And that's going to drastically change his value in everybody's opinion. Yeah, without a doubt, moving further down the list a little bit, we've got everybody's favorite fantasy player, Derek white. You have him at 65. We had him at 85. And then you had Draymond one spot behind him at 66. And we had him two spots behind at 87. So, Specifically with Derek White, are you just projecting him to stay healthy and to do the things that we've been expecting him to do for the last two or three years? Uh, admittedly, it has been a, a lar- long, hard wait uh, for, with Derek White. I've held him on a lot of dynasty teams. I've been expecting that big season to come, and there have been a lot of things that have been able to stop it from happening. Uh, some of the biggest are the minutes haven't been there, but the permanent production has been fantastic. Uh, he hasn't been allowed to play with uh, DeJounte Murray nearly enough, and I think that'll finally change this year, God willing. And we're also going to be looking at a situation where there's finally a huge usage vacuum in uh, San Antonio after both LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan have departed in the last year. And there really is no other way for the San Antonio Spurs to be able to operate and function as an NBA team this year unless they are allowing Derek White to be a scorer on this team, maybe the primary scorer 
on this team. He will have to take on that role. And we've seen it for stretches. If you look at the bubble performance that he had last year, uh, that was a top 50 fantasy level performance across that stretch of games. And I think that level of player is there. He's gotten so much more confidence in his three-point shot, and he has become a three-level scorer. If the help is there, uh, you see it in the projections across the fantasy space. Basketball monster, hashtag. They both have uh, projections on him for around a top 50 season. And I think that when you look at the numbers across the Spurs, it seems like he almost has to do that for them to be able to even function as a bad NBA team this year, given what is on that roster. So I'm very bullish on Derek White this year. This is his prime. He is not a young player, uh, and it needs to happen now, or it's probably not going to. But I'm willing to bet on it because I believe in this fantasy stat set, and I think this is a player who is going to have a very strong 21-22 season. The per-game production for Derek White is absolutely there, and you're right that he's projected to be about a top-50 player because he does have such an incredibly fantasy-friendly game. It's just a matter of health, and it's just a matter of minutes. And like you said, this is the year that those minutes should have no issue coming to him because they just don't have other players who can score. Uh, And I think I underestimated how much that would help him while I was also talking about how much it would help DeJounte Murray, because both of them should be jumping up everybody's boards to levels that they may be surprised with just because of the things that they'll be allowed to do or should be allowed to do on this Spurs team that just does not have any other ball handlers. Yeah, I hope the Spurs give him minutes. Obviously, I would assume that he's going to start on that team, and, and he really does. Like Matt mentioned, he has to score. They They really don't have other players. He almost has to go out there and and score close to 20 points per game this year, which he is fully capable of with, with that three point shot that he has. I, I just don't know if the Spurs are going to give him that minutes. Are they going to give him over 30 minutes this year? I should hope so, but we don't know. And, and that's the reason that, that I had him a little bit further down my ranks. It's just the guys ahead of him have just a, a more secure role while maybe not as much upside as Derek White does have. A guy we know for sure will get 30 minutes a night, Draymond Green. Like I mentioned, you have him 66th. We had him 87. Does that just get back to your per-game production with the the KD-Kyrie conversation, or are you thinking that Clay coming back is just going to help him more than than anything else? Well, I I think that we all have the memory of Draymond in that no Steph Curry, no Clay Thompson – hangover season that got shortened by COVID uh, in 2019, 2020, still in our heads. But if you watched Draymond Green last year, there was a little bit of a slow start at the beginning, playing himself into shape a little bit. And then you saw every bit of prime Draymond Green as a fantasy producer from that point forward. Uh, This is a player who was number 37 per game in eight cat last year, number 37. So we were seeing the Draymond Green that we were seeing during those prime warriors years. And you're looking at, again, projections from Basketball Monster and Hashtag. Both are looking at a top 50 projection on him, a little bit higher in some cases. And that kind of production from a player who's still only 31 years old, he's been around forever, but we are still in the Draymond Green prime. And this is a Warriors team that is going to be doing everything possible to be able to win in these years of Steph Curry's late prime and with Clay Thompson back. I think Draymond is going to be motivated. 
I think we saw that motivation level last year. He's going to have a huge season for you this year. And you know what the fantasy stats set package with him. You've got out of position assists that are fantastic to be able to add on to your team. He's giving you steals and blocks again. And even that free throw percentage, which had been dogging him previously, came up dramatically last year. So this is a player that I think everyone needs to be looking at, especially in redraft. But if you have a win now team, I think there's still a sour taste in the mouth of some managers when it comes to Draymond Green and the way that he didn't play in that season in 2019, 2020. And it might be an opportunity to be able to buy him a little bit lower than you would think. If I'm a win now team, I have absolutely no issues. Even in a dynasty, having Draymond Green is my fifth or sixth best player. Like absolutely no problems at all. Even fourth best in certain 30 team or the deeper league situations, just because like you said, the stats are there, not the points. And the efficiency is going to be a little bit iffy. But like you said, if that free throw percentage stays up towards that 78-ish mark, last year was at 79. So, I mean, he's he's an elite player, extremely, extremely unique. But a couple other extremely unique players. And this is where the podcast is going to get a little bit aggressive because – you have Singoon at 73 and Giddy at 76. We have Singoon at 100 and Giddy at 93. Is this just your rookie premium getting in there on the young guys as soon as you possibly can? So this is actually a little bit interesting with both of these guys because, yes, 100%, I believe in them. I think both of these prospects are going to be fantastic fantasy players for a long time. But I also think that they're going to be valuable contributors at points this season. And that makes a big difference because – with some of these rookies, we're waiting one, two, three years before we get in anything in fantasy from them. And that can be hard to swallow on, especially a 12-team dynasty roster, just to kind of be stashing a player who isn't really contributing to your team. But with both Shangun and Giddy, I think you're going to be getting production this season. And here's why. The case with Shangun is pretty simple. Houston is already declaring to the world that this is a developmental season. They're not even going to mess around playing John Wall. They're going to put the young guys out there. And yes, they still have Christian Wood. They brought in Daniel Tice. But Alperin Shangun is going to demand playing time. And you saw it in Vegas Summer League. I was high on Shangun before just about anybody because I was crazy enough to start putting out rookie rankings this spring. Had him number five early on. People thought I was crazy. Who is this 19-year-old from Turkey that you're trying to say is a top five dynasty rookie? But when you looked at the stat set for a 19-year-old playing against grown men in Turkey, he was hitting multiple categories that a big man should not be hitting. This guy was giving you steals, blocks on great percentages, showing flashes as a passer, and an inside game that looked a lot like a Demonis Sabonis with the potential to also be growing out to the perimeter like a Nikola Vucevic. So I loved it from a fantasy stat set projection. I wanted to see it in person. I wanted to see it against NBA athletes, and we saw it in Vegas Summer League. This guy came out and immediately not only showed everything that we saw offensively in Turkey against NBA athleticism, but he also showed defensively that he's going to be getting steals and blocks because of his instincts and his basketball IQ. And on top of that, he actually showed the ability to be a good defender out there, to be able to make the right rotations, to be able to read the, the offense as it was coming to him. He's never going to be able to switch out on the perimeter, but Alpern Shangun is going to be a fantasy star. And I would say to people, by the end of this season, I think he's going to be getting minutes into the 20s. And once that happens, it's going to be a rocket ship in Dynasty. You should be trying to acquire him now because you're not going to be able to get him cheaper than this uh, very soon once the Rockets start playing in minutes. When it comes to Josh Giddy, I know you two are longtime appreciators of Lonzo Ball, 
And if you like Lonzo Ball's fantasy stat set, well, let me tell you about Josh Kitty because that's exactly what you're going to be getting from Josh. And I think it's going to be coming early this year because the Thunder moved on from Kemba Walker and have opened up a nice-sized role that is going to be there for the taking as the starting point guard of this team. I think you might see some Theo Maladon early on, but Josh Giddy is eventually going to take that role and he's going to run with it. And the reason for that is because this is an extremely intelligent, instinctive, and creative passer uh, on the level of Alonzo Ball. And he's going to be able to bring his basketball intelligence to be able to get uh, improvement as an off-ball defender, get those steals that you see Lonzo get just jumping into passing lanes and seeing the game quicker than everyone else. So immediately you're going to get a player who's going to be giving you a high rebound rate like Lonzo, giving you those high assist rates like Lonzo, and to be able to give you some of those steals and blocks because he's such a smart player. And that stat set is going to immediately contribute to teams this year. And you see it from hashtag and basketball monster already that Giddy is creeping up into a player who's fantasy relevant this season at 19 years old. When you get that kind of production at 19, you need to stand up and listen and you need to realize that their market value is about to jump dramatically if they're going to be playing those kinds of minutes and producing immediately as a teenager. It's really interesting because a guy like Giddy on OKC, we talk about it all the time, especially with OKC, is you have to make sure that that team is invested in that player before you invest in that player. And them, them OKC, taking him at six is very, it was very surprising. I don't think anybody saw that coming. And so that is them investing him. And they also took Trey Mann later in the draft. They have Theo Maladon, like you said, they have Shea Gilchrist Alexander. So they have some ball handlers, but there should not be as much concern with Giddy, at least in the long term, about whether or not he will have a role on that team because of the the pick that they used on him. And if he doesn't have a role in that team, it's because he's not good because there's no way they're just going to squander that number six pick for no reason. And then with Singun, I think it's interesting that he might get up into those minutes early, but I also think it's possible he ends up playing with Christian Wood a little bit because of what you said about him not being able to get on the perimeter. I don't know if Christian Wood's actually a five defensively. It could be, but Houston's going to develop them without a doubt. So here's my whole problem with having them that high. And and both players, tremendous upside. I, I don't want to say anything bad about the players whatsoever. But when you're taking them that high in the 70s, you're passing on young players who have already proven themselves in the league or have already shown the upside that we want to see. And not to mention, both of these guys are also... Um, coming from overseas. So there is going to be a big adjustment period adjusting to the NBA. We've seen guys come over and bust all the time, especially those that come over from your European leagues, just because it's, it's just a different, it's a different brand of basketball. It's a different type. Now you obviously have guys like Luca who have thrived in this type of, of league and and that type of system. Um, But for every Luca, there's other players that just haven't seemed to be able to adjust. And that's my only concern with these guys is you're just passing on proven players in this league who have a role and are still young at the same time. I want to respond to that really quickly because I think that there's a difference when it comes to these players coming from overseas. And I agree that that we have had a number of busts when it comes to players who didn't really play for their overseas teams 
and then come over to the NBA as lottery prospects. And we're just supposed to believe that suddenly they're going to be able to play in the NBA when they weren't getting minutes on their team um, in Europe or in Australia, wherever they're coming from. With Giddy and with Shangoon, we're talking about guys who were playing heavy minutes on their teams, who were immediate contributors. And with Giddy, we already know the translation because if you look at his stat set, it looks a lot like what we saw from LaMelo Ball last year as well. So if you want that translation, you know that that can come over from uh, in a, the NBL and that those players can immediately contribute. With Shangoon, he's dominating against grown men at 19 years old. That's the story that we saw with Luca. And when you're producing at that age, that young of an age against real professional athletes in a, in a foreign league, the history of bus is very slim in the NBA. It's a lot different when these guys come over having not played significant minutes overseas beforehand. Yeah. Can't really argue with that. Tons of great stuff. Really love all of the differing views. And I think Travis and I are just typically more skeptical when it comes to young, unproven rookies, but that also can come back and bite us in the butt because we won't be able to get on in on the ground floor of guys like LaMelo or Sengun or Giddy and all of that, even if they do have skill sets that mirror players that we like. So maybe that takes a little bit of self-reflection on our part just to try and have more faith in these young guys. But we're going to stop right there. We're right at 100 in Travis and I's dynasty rankings. And so that's a good point to stop because if we get into the, any of these other names on the list, we're going to end up taking way too much of your guys' time. So be prepared for part two. Matt Lawson coming back on two punt intended to talk about ranks 100 through 150 or so. Be sure to check us out on hoop-ball.com. Be sure to check out our dynasty rankings to see what you think about some of the players that we have ranked differently than Matt's. Follow us on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer, at Travis underscore Fuller 92. And of course, Matt Lawson at NBA Dynasty ADP. Matt, you have anything else before we close out? As this was an absolute pleasure, uh, I don't have too many people in my life that I can argue uh, with about their <laughs> dynasty rankings, uh, since we're literally some of the only human beings on the planet sick enough to put together lists like this. But I'm so glad to have some kindred spirits to be able to talk about it with. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Really looking forward to having you back on. Be sure to check out part two when it comes out, probably in the next week or so. And as always, thank you very much for tuning in. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.